Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for The Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you, taking your calls 801 575 8255. You can also text us at 57500. We've had a lot of our texters this morning chiming in on a variety of subjects we've been talking about. Uh, one was cherries that you wanted to talk about, Ton. Yes, somebody texted in that they are raising a bush cherry called Nanking cherry that are a tart cherry, but they're very usable for anything for cooking, baking, preserving as far as cherries go. And they're a very usable cherry. They're a little smaller, but they're very cold hardy. So they survive areas, uh, colder areas of Cache Valley, Ogden Valley, you know, up toward Midway, Heber, um, you know, those areas and they're very low maintenance. It seems like the cherry fruit fly avoids them. Hmm. So they don't take a lot of spraying. And so somebody has been wanting to grow cherries, but hasn't really liked the spray program that comes with that to keep the worms out. The Nanking cherry, if you like tart, you know, if you like popping lemons in your mouth, they're not quite that tart, mm-hmm. but you know, they, the person mentioned, Oh yeah, you can just eat them right off. I, I'm not that tolerant of sour flavors but if you wanted to try something a little bit different they they do really well they're pretty when they blossom and they have very usable fruit yeah and for those listeners just uh, tuning in we did talk about varieties of cherries that do well in utah and you can find that information in an article on the ksl greenhouse facebook page right now uh, a couple of other listeners that chimed in on different issues uh, we've been talking a lot about grasshoppers that have infiltrated some areas of the wasatch front and uh, one solution from one of our listeners is that she borrows her daughter's chickens. She borrows a couple of them for the afternoon. They take, take care of they take care of every grasshopper that they have, and it's pretty cute. She says to watch them jump and catch the moths and the grass as they fly up. Uh, another another listener chimed in uh, that they found an. We one listener was talking about all the mosquitoes in their home, how to get rid of them. This person found the Catchmaster window fly traps that capture flies as well as mosquitoes, and they say that works really well. Oh, that's well. an excellent suggestion. There you and go, I mean, so that's one you can use I, again. I'm actually being serious, but I, I wonder if somebody has a rent-a-chicken business. Oh. Because there's actually people out there that have like rent-a-goat businesses. Mm-hmm. To that, cut your lawn, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if you have filled bindweed or other weeds and are trying to keep things absolutely pesticide free, the, I know I have heard of two or three people at least that will bring in a small herd of goats, you know, two or three or 10 or whatever to eat the weeds down and they'll stake them off. And I don't know how inexpensive it is, 
but it might be an option. And I wonder if somebody does have a rent a chicken business that you can bring in. I wouldn't doubt it, right? Yeah. All right. Trent is on the line in Saratoga. Good morning, Trent. What is your question? Good morning. Um, I have been listening to you guys for a while. You're my Saturday morning go between hospitals listen, and uh, I just happened to have a good question this time. Great. So a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were getting all the flower bed stuff together for the decorations around our house. We got a rhododendron, and it was beautiful in bloom, kind of that deep purpley pink red. Uh, put it in the ground, and it it had maybe three or four more blooms pop up, but over the course of about two weeks, the blooms kind of dried up, and the top layer of leaves, if you could imagine the plant in three portions, the top third, those leaves are kind of yellowing and the tips are turning brown. The middle layer is still green, but kind of curved edges, and the bottom is still nice and green. If you look on the internet, half the stuff I read says we're watering it too much, half the stuff I read says we're watering too little. Oh. So. I so I would call the, expert. the symptoms of over and under watering are very similar. And all you can do is dig down along the side of the plant and check the soil. And if it's wet, don't water. You know, you want that soil relatively dry. You, you want to feel, be able to feel moisture in it, but not be able to really squeeze it together easily. And then you would go ahead and water. Now I also will say longer term, that rhododendrons are a hobby plant because they don't inherently do well in our alkaline soils and low humidity. Okay. So it's... So with, with the one we have this season, the, those yellow kind of browning leaves on top, would you just go ahead and prune those off? I would, and it, 80% of the time when I hear this, it's usually too much water, but you do need to check the soil. And if you, let's say it does well the rest of the summer, you're going to need to consider getting something like miracle Grow mirror acid and irrigating it with that kind of fertilizer every couple of weeks and incorporating a lot of organic matter into the bed where it's planted to keep the organic matter level high in that bed to help it out. Sure. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. That's why I want to call the expert. Great. Thanks, Trent, for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton, wants to replace some hydrangeas because they're not flowering, and they want to know what would be a good replacement. Uh, they're planted along a hedge in the, as a border around their house. Um, so what are you thinking? They could try a different species of hydrangea. pretty flowering plants, right? So smooth hydrangea, there's a variety called Annabelle. There's another one called Incredible. There's several of them out there, but uh, smooth hydrangea, is one that they can consider that's more freely blooming. And then another one is panicled hydrangea that has several cultivars that are white into pink and maybe even red that are very pretty too. And so if they wanted to stick in the hydrangea family, those two do much better here. Otherwise I would go for something like Lil Kim, Rose of Sharon or a purple pillar, Rose of Sharon. That's going to stay more narrow and fit into that space and be the same approximate size of the hydrangea. The Rose of Sharon's bloom profusely, usually from mid-July to frost in October. All right. John is on the line in South Jordan. Good morning, John. What was your question? Well, okay, I've got a a mature walnut tree. And uh, do they cycle as far as producing fruit? Because we've had, like, when when it's, 
first started producing uh, fruit, first year was sort of slim. The next year it exploded. Then after that, it just sort of went, there was no fruit, no walnuts. And then now it's slowly starting to produce fruit again. And then is there a cycle to that? Yes. Walnuts can be on a two to three year cycle. So that they produce okay. heavily every second to third year. All right. I was wondering about that. Also, I had a question. I've got strawberries, but uh, they're not producing. So they're, they make great ground cover, but is there any way I can coax them back into producing strawberries again? How long have you had them planted? Oh, they've been there about two or three years now. So they're not too old. Take the oldest plants out. About I take about 25 to 30% of the plants out of the patch and focus on the oldest ones and let the younger ones fill in and see if next year you get more strawberries. Okay. Did you get them There's new other... or from a neighbor? I got them new. Okay. Good. Okay. There's one other item if I could quickly address. Okay. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, I heard you talking, uh, someone talking about putting the gravel in their front front, uh, strips. Please be aware that that's a scam by the city, by the states, because, yeah, it does water conservation, but the the counties look at that as a a land, as a a capital improvement so that you can, they can increase your taxes. All right. We appreciate your call today. Thanks for calling, John. And let's go to our next listener. Uh, Tom, this next listener says they have a dwarf Japanese maple that's 15 years old. It's in full sun. They, it gets water two to three times per week. And each year some branches die. Uh, this year it's losing more branches. And they hate to lose this tree. And they're wondering if there's anything they can do. There really isn't. I mean, this is just what Japanese maples do. I wish I had better news. But once they start to do that and other maples do this too. I mean, one of the reasons I don't usually recommend Norway maples is that after 10 or 15 years is really common to get branch dieback in those kinds of trees, the maples, especially and the Japanese maples aren't any different, you know, just keep it fertilized, make sure you're not overwatering. And that's about it. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, it looks like Terry is up next. Terry and Dallas and Russell will get to your calls coming up next. And thanks for calling the KSL Greenhouse. Thanks for listening to the KSL Greenhouse. You can also text us your questions at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.
Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse final segment of the show. Let's get right back to our phone lines. We have Terry, who is in Hooper. Good morning, Terry. What was your question? Good morning. I'm wondering about um, foxtails. My yard is inundated with them, and I have puppies that need to go to the vet every time they get one stuck in their throat or in their ear or whatever. So if you want to control them without pesticides, I think that mowing and hand pulling are your only option unless you could somehow cover those areas with a mulch, which probably isn't practical. So that's on one end, but if you wanted to spray, then there's a product made by a company called bio advanced called Bermuda grass killer. And the bear, it's used to be bear, but the Bermuda grass killer will also knock out, or at least it's registered to knock out foxtail. And so that might be something you could do to um, maybe get, you know, at least get rid of them. And then in the future, maybe incorporate a pre-emergent in the spring to prevent them from coming back. So... The same preventatives that will eliminate or control crabgrass will also help with foxtail. Now, longer term, foxtail thrives in areas that it has available moisture. And so if it's wet in those areas, especially clay soil where it's kind of wet and clay is where foxtail really thrives. And so that might be something to look at. Um, I don't know if that's your situation because it will grow elsewhere, but it does have a tendency to fill in in areas that are too wet for a Kentucky bluegrass. Okay. Um, yeah, we're just out in the farm farm belt of, of Hooper. Yeah. And so that could be some of it also. I mean, it does come in from pastures and the ditches and things of that nature. And so it could be coming in from there. And so that bear Bermuda grass killer or, um, something with quinclorac in it, like image all in one lawn weed killer may knock it out. But one of those two products would be two of, well, two of those are those two are going to be fairly available. I know in the past that J and J nursery carried the bear or the, the, whatever it is, the Bermuda grass killer from, uh, bio okay. bio advance. Yes. I appreciate it. Like I said, I, I hate making the puppies suffer. Right. Yeah. And it may be you need to keep the dogs in for a few days or put them in a different area. Just need to read the right. label. But most of these sprays that are available to homeowners are pet safe as soon as they're dry. Right. And, and I can I can farm them out for a day or two. Yeah. All right, Terry. I, all right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for your call today. We have a couple of listeners uh, talking about peach tree borers. Uh, one of them says uh, that their 20-year-old tree has some sap draining now at the lower part of the trunk. First of all, how do they save the tree? And second, what's the best suggestion to maintain the trees going forward? They need to look up a fact sheet on Cytospora to make sure that that's not causing it. And then the other thing I would do is just look up USU's information on greater peach tree borer. Um, you basically spray every three weeks from mid-June to mid-September with something along the lines of pet garden and farm from high yield. It's a 
label of a, a name of a spray or Captain Jack's dead bug brew. So they need to get on that. Uh, they the, do. The next question was, uh, this listener has remnants of the peach tree borer on the bottom of the trunk, and they're wondering if they can remove that stuff. Sounds like they took if care of the If it's just the, the gumming, yes, they can remove it. Okay, Russell is on the line in South Jordan. Good morning, Russell. What was your question? Yeah, I'm looking for a variety of strawberry. A few years ago, um, well, several years ago, we kept it at BYU as like a ground cover, and the strawberries were really small but actually tasted good. I'm wondering what that variety would be. There's just a general term called alpine strawberry, and some of them, depending on the genetic source, some of them taste good and some of them are pretty bland. But what I you might do is look online for tasty um, alpine strawberry that is more sold as a food instead of just ground cover and plant those because they'll fill in. Okay. Thank you. All right, Russell. Thanks for your call. Uh, next person says, is it okay to prune trees now if they're overgrown and de- take out the dead branches or will this cause damage or should they wait till February? The dead branches can just come out at any time and they can maybe prune five to 10% of the branches, but the main time to prune shade trees is in mid-January to mid-February. Okay. Let's go back to the phone line. Dallas in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Dallas. What was your question? Yeah, for whatever reason, you guys, I bought a six-pack of carrots at a, at a box store this April, and I just plunked them in the ground, and I didn't mess with them. You know, I didn't want to separate them like I did would with onion sets. And, you know, they're really doing okay. I guess I'm wondering, um, Tom, what am I, what am I going to be expecting at harvest time? I, I thought one year I'd get smart and grow my carrot seed and transplant them because they're so hard to grow Mm -hmm. from Uh seed in the garden. And they grew fantastically. And when I harvested them, every carrot, the root, instead of being a long carrot shape, was more like a spider web because I had broken the tip (laughs) on every one. And it had grown out in several directions. And I wasn't really able to use the carrots. And so I hope this doesn't happen to you. But the reason you usually don't see carrots starts is because you can break the tip and then they don't root out normally. Right. Well, I was careful not to mess with them. Like I said, I I wanted to and I still do. But um, I just left them in there. And like this morning, I saw one of the tops was about the size of a dime. Oh, that's good. So just watch them. And if you were super careful, you might get away with it. You know, I, worse comes to worse, and you could use them as Halloween carrots. And so. <laughs> now I feel better. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton, says their apricot tree blossomed, leafed out, then half the tree limbs uh the leaves wilted and died. And That's been happening all over the Wasatch Front, especially that? Salt Lake, Davis, Weber counties, Box Elder. I think it's the weather from the winter, and branches have a certain amount of energy stored in them so that allows the branch to start to blossom and leaf out. Mm-hmm. But if that branch doesn't receive nutrients and carbohydrates from the roots, it will die. And that's what's happened is there's no nutrients or carbohydrates and nutrients coming up from the roots and those sections of the tree died. And we're seeing it all over and we're thinking it's the cold weather. All right. I'm going to go to Doug. I'm going to live dangerously. Doug, we just have a couple of minutes left in the show. What was your question? Good morning. So I've got 
perennial salvia in a, a flower bed, and every spring it comes out full and lush and beautiful. And then the first windstorm, it blows all the blossoms off, and it never reblooms again until late, late fall. And I drive around my neighborhood, and I see all my neighbors with this beautiful salvia. So I'm wondering what I can do either to retain the blooms or to encourage them to regrow when they blow off. You know, short of planting something taller on the side that gets the strong winds, that's something you could do or... Um, if they the blossoms do blow off, try cutting the stems that had the blossoms off of the plant, leaving the foliage intact, and see if you can cause them to rebloom sooner. So basically deadheading them. Yep. If the blossoms blow off, deadhead them and see if you can force them to rebloom. They won't be as profuse, but those are about the only things I know to do. Okay, thank you very much. Doug, thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, Final question, uh, Tom. This person has a snowball bush that hasn't bloomed for about eight years. They're wondering if they can get it to bloom again, how they would get them to produce soup. Don't prune it at all this year and see if it forms blossoms next year. If it doesn't, then they need to make their decisions on whether they just want a pretty shrub without flowers or to replace it. All right, that's it for the show. If you're just tuning in, uh, we covered some really fun things today. The rutabecchia for the plant of the week at 8 o'clock. Water recommendations for your vegetables. Now, if you missed all of the things that we've talked about this morning, you can also go to the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. We have some great articles for you there on each of the topics, and you can check us out on podcast. What are you up? You're going to a family reunion today, huh? I am. All right, you have a good time with that. I will. All right. Join us again next week for the KSL Greenhouse Show from 8 to 11. And have a great weekend. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.